welcome to Long Story Short Podcast, where we reveal short stories of an active, living God who shows up in everyday life. You paid the price for all the world to me. You paid the price for all the world to see. And for those who choose you now, Shalom. Hi, welcome to Long Story Short Podcast. I'm Brent, and next to me is my wife, Lisa. Thanks for joining us on the next episode, episode number 10 of longstoryshortpodcast.com. This one's going to be a little bit different. We're currently leading a four-week class on telling stories at our church, we'll be sharing a condensed version of that class um, in this podcast. We thought it would be helpful for anyone interested in learning to share their story and how to say how to share and do that story better. But it's also a way for class participants to review the material. So a big shout out to all the folks who attended week one, which was today. So we're going to be posting this out there so that they can re-listen to sections of the content that we said today, right? Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, so we're going to kind of walk you through the pieces. The way this kind of came about is um, one of the leaders of our class came up to us a couple of weeks ago and asked us, hey, you guys um, do that podcast thing, right? Would you happen to have some content that you could share with the Sunday school class and we said sure. Well, first we said no, we don't have content. <laughs> but then we thought, well, it's a great opportunity for us to kind of put this material together and make it useful for people. So we we ended up saying sure, but yeah, two weeks kind of um came up really quick, didn't it? It did. Yeah. But it's been fun to work on too. It has been. Um we've been working on it just about every night for the last yeah. couple of weeks, but um, you know, we've kind of promised even from the beginning of the podcast that, you know, we were going to kind of tell maybe a little more of the story of longstoryshortpodcast.com. And, you know, one of uh, kind of one of the things that popped out as we were um, putting together the process for how to tell people stories on this pod on the podcast was how to, you know, package up a story in a short podcast. Like, how do you do that? Um, how do you take, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of detail that goes into people's stories and how do you kind of tease out the, the, the pieces that will tell the story well and communicate to people and communicate it in a way that makes it exciting and a little bit suspenseful sometimes. And, um, how do you see God working in that? So <clears throat> as we, started thinking about putting the story series together, we landed on the title called uh, A Story Big Enough to Live In. Uh, 
how God's story defines our stories. So that's where, that's our title. Mm -hmm. And we are kind of bookending this at the beginning with Psalm 96.3, which says, publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. So we wanted to start this off with scripture because it's important as we are doing a Christian podcast to make it clear that you know God is calling us um, in into the world to tell to tell stories and uh, to explain things that are going on in our lives, share them with other people, and share about where He's at. Like where does He show up? But if we accept the 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 premise here from Psalm ninety six three that we are to publish His glorious deeds among the nations and tell everybody about all the amazing things he does, it kind of prompts a question, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the question that it prompts for us is, well, what is God up to? And then the next question was, well, if he's up to something and we're called into that story, what's our role to play in that story? And then finally we would ask, so if we have that story identified and we're called up into it, we understand our role then how do we tell that and how do we tell it well? So we don't profess to be experts on this subject. There's a lot of people out there who are talking about storytelling um, and the importance of story. But what we can offer is the invitation to focus on this topic and to pause for a little while and think about your story first before we get to God's story. So here's how we're going to do that over the next four weeks. Lisa, do you want to kind of walk sure. us through that uh, that uh, <clears throat> course agenda? Well, where we're kind of going to be going with this is um, this class uh, is centered on teaching and examples and tools and life exploration. And um, that's all to help us recognize our life stories and then how they fit into God's bigger story. And then once we kind of get a handle a little more on that, then we can learn to shape and condense and bring our stories into sort of bite-sized pieces so that they're, they're easy to use and easy, easy to share. And then, um, of course, we don't want to be narcissistic about all this, right? We um, want to learn to see the value in other people's stories and, and learn to be better listeners and um, learn to encourage people in their stories. So it's four weeks, like we said. This first week is um, really all about why story. Why why do we need to do this? Why focus on story? Um, The next three weeks will be what's your story? So that's where we're going to start taking a look what are our personal stories. And then we'll break that down to how can we tell those stories better. And then we're going to learn to share our stories. So um, we're really excited. We had a, a great reception from people today. And um, we're, we're looking forward to the next three weeks as well. Um, but as we kind of thought more about this and we started getting into the class, um, one of the first things we talked about was um, even the culture knows the value of story. Everything from marketing to scientific studies to journalism, they all know that we're wired for stories. That's even if they don't understand the source of who wired us for stories. Um, 
And we, Brent and I talked about how one of our favorite commercial series is the Allstate commercials, right? The, where, the uh, Mayhem Man. The right? Mayhem Man, that's yeah. right. And um, so, like we said in the class, you know, no offense to those who are in the insurance um, uh, field. Uh, it's not really the most exciting, and they'd probably admit that too. Maybe it's exciting for them, but it's like the trick is how do you make insurance exciting? Right, in a exactly. TV ad. And yet here we we really plug into those commercials, and we um, we laugh at them, and they're we kind of are drawn into it. But we we like to look them up on YouTube. That's right. <laughs> but what we're really drawn to, we as we think about it, is the story, right? The the guy is like, I'm a teenage girl and I've been, I, you know. I just found out that my boyfriend broke up with me. me and <laughs> I'm getting in an accident here, right? Or he's a big tree limb and he's falling on top of somebody's Right. <laughs> and so you're kind of drawn into the little mini story. So that it's just an example how stories are powerful. Um, they help us to make sense of big concepts. They help us to make sense of life. Now, here's where it's helpful to recall the stories of our childhood because that's where the roots of your stories begin and where your life themes kind of first develop. One of the best ways to get at those stories is a wonderful little tool that we're all familiar with, and that's questions. You might be surprised or you maybe not at how um, questions can help you get to know people even more deeply, right? And you'll, if you even just ask some simple questions of a family member that you've known all their lives, you'd think, oh, I, how come I never knew that before? But it's through a question. And it's often the first step to getting to know some great stories. So we've put together a little list of questions, mm-hmm. some easy questions just to get started. Yeah. And we're going to make those questions available in the show notes. So you can click on those questions and download them. And think about them for yourself, or you can use them to ask someone in your family, you know, kind of do a little interview and get to know them, uh, have them answer the questions for you and see if anything new, if they say anything Mm -hmm. new that you didn't know before. Mm -hmm. So we kind of started to uh, prime the pump a little bit with... Uh, when we did this table talk exercise, we had everybody kind of take one of the questions and go around the table and answer the question for themselves and then practice a- asking each other around the table, mm-hmm. you know, how, what, what they would answer. And the question that we had there was list your favorite books, movies, and publications as a child. And how about as a young adult and today thinking even about websites or blogs or podcasts, and what type of characters maybe most inspired you uh, when you were a kid? Um, you know, maybe it was comic books or maybe it was uh, mysteries uh, like Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys. Or maybe there were magazines like, you know, we're going to date ourselves now. But we used to like magazines like Ranger Rick. (laughs) Um, I mean, there was all kinds of different kids magazines that um, that my mom had subscribed to that were that were um, inspirational to me when I was young. But, uh, you know, trying to take a few minutes and just answer those simple questions, you might start to see some themes because Mm -hmm. some of those characters that were inspirational to you when you were a kid They may continue to inspire you uh, even today in the types of movies and books and literature that that you enjoy. Well, and then we kind of went into a section uh, called What Stories Do. 
improving the ability to tell stories can benefit your life in many ways. And we have a, a long list. Just We just thought of tons of things that stories can help you in. But we'll just kind of go over a few of them here. Uh, stories foster communication. We remember stories better than facts and bullet points. And we thought about a recent marriage um, uh, class that um, we had at this Sunday school. And the presenters um, were really brilliant about sharing their story. And we thought, you know, mo most people's experience during that class was the stories were really what drew them in. They, um, they have a powerful way of helping you. Even if there's a whole list of bullet points, it's the stories that draw you in. Um, then there was a section on uh, stories foster healing. Uh, I thought about uh, a friend of mine who had lost her father many years ago. And the thing that I always remember is she said when she went to the funeral, um, the thing that was most healing for her were when people came up to her and told her stories about her dad. It's just amazing how stories can um, be healing in that way. We even found that when we recorded Les back on podcast mm -hmm. six and seven. And he said at the end of the podcast that it was a healing experience for him to just tell his story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you really, you dig dignify um, someone's story by listening and being a good listener. That can be make you into an agent of healing. You help to bear the weight of their story by listening. Yeah, it's like, I think storytelling, the telling part is important, and we're talking about that here, mm -hmm. but the listening part exactly. is just as important, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, stories bind people together in community, and God can use your difficult story for good to lessen the load um, that it bears on you. And um, stories also inspire us. They renew hope. They bring energy and motivation. And Jesus knew better than anyone that stories help make sense of life. I mean, he was a master storyteller. He is a master storyteller. Well, he's the creator. That's right. He understood that we we're wired that way. And then stories also help us to see the bigger story, God's story. Yeah, it was, um, I think that was kind of led us into, you know, sort of the second question there on the worksheet, which you can pull up. It's actually question number five on the worksheet. And again, we're kind of focusing in on your childhood. But the question is, what activities did you enjoy most as a child? And kind of to help people understand, so why is it important to bring in childhood in this talk about stories? Yeah. Um, so I just briefly shared what I wrote for this answer. And um, just keep in mind, I wrote the answer probably about 10 years ago because I, I worked in another class that used this question. And here's what I wrote. Um, like some of you, I wrote, uh, I love to read, I love to draw, and I love to play house. I love to imagine. And I spent a season playing a photographer with my little Kodak Instamatic. I spent hours writing stories, and my high school uh, writing teacher affirmed, me, affirmed that gifting in me. And then you may not have this one on your list when you answer the question, because I might be a little unique in this way, but I loved to play talk show host. I would have my brothers sit on the couch in the living room, and I'd ask them questions. And I sort of laugh as I think about that, because here Brent and I are now uh, doing a podcast where we interview people and we ask their stories. So um, as I read this list, 
uh, I clearly saw how many of these things are still true today. And the more I live them out, the more I am at home because I feel like that's how God created me. Sometimes to really discover our story and who God created us to be, it's helpful to revisit who we were as children. We often discover the truest picture of ourselves there. It can also lead to some places of healing. This all helps us to move to um, more authentically share ourselves and our stories. So um, we did a little table talk at this point um, in the class as well um, and had everybody kind of pause and think about that question. When they were done, um, we wanted to try to um, shift gears a little bit because from the very beginning, we entitled this week one series, part of the series, um, the, you know, how God's story defines our stories. A story, you know, that's a story big enough to live in is really God's story. And so we didn't want to um, lose sight of that because we've been focusing in the first part of the of the of this exercise on our individual stories and in our past as ch- children, uh, what influenced us, the type of characters and books and movies that were um, that were of interest to us as a kid, and maybe seeing some of those themes play out in our lives, like you playing interviewer with your brothers, and how even that um, is still part of your life today in our podcast, um, um, our podcast world. Um, but we need to kind of ground ourselves in the larger story uh, and see how our individual stories are reflected in this bigger story that God is telling. So um, we introduced um, a common framework that uh, is often, well, there's more than one author out there that has talked about this, but one of the most uh, well-known ones is John Eldridge. He's written a book um, called Epic, where he actually uh, kind of outlines the uh, the story framework that God is telling. And in kind of in a nutshell, the the story framework that he he puts out there is as that, you know, there was you know at the beginning, life is good, um, life is wonderful, but then something awful happens, uh, a great Injustice occurs or evil shows up and um, things are disrupted. Life is disrupted. Um, And then uh, a journey has to be taken or um, a great sacrifice has to be made. And a hero needs to come in and set things right. And once that occurs, um, everything is restored, renewed, or better yet, there's some sort of a redemption or salvation that takes place, right? That is the gospel story in a nutshell. That's the story that God tells from the very beginning, from Genesis all the way to resurrection. And we're living in that story right now. And when you look at the Bible, um, you see that story framework played over and over again, like in the life of Joseph or in the life of David, or Daniel, or even in the New Testament with uh, Paul, or the uh, disciples, and of course, in Jesus himself, his gospel story is exactly is exactly that. 
Um, so I have a story that um, kind of encapsulates that a little bit, and I'll tell that to you now. Um, in my mid-20s, um, I came, I, I, was, I didn't really know God at the time. Um, I had grown up going to a Lutheran church here in Minnesota, and um, I thought of myself as a believer, but I, looking back on it, I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And uh, I found myself joining the Peace Corps in my mid-20s, and I had three months of training, and after that three months of training in country, which was uh, Senegal, West Africa, um, they dropped me off in my village, and I watched the truck disappear on the edge of the horizon, and I found myself alone in my village with my family. I lived the stereotypical uh, Peace Corps uh, experience that you might think of with a thatched roof hut with with uh, straw walls. Um, the village really was a farm. I mean, we had sheep, we had goats, we had chickens, we had cattle, we had horses. Uh, I mean, they were basically raising crops and, and doing small animal husbandry. And so it's a pretty typical, uh, ex, you know, Peace Corps experience living in a small village out on the edge of the Sahara Desert. But within about two weeks, I had become very sick. Uh, I had giardia, I had dysentery, and my body weakened quickly. I was down to about 135 pounds, um, and I was not feeling well at all. Now, if you can imagine, um, in the middle of the day in my village, it was about 110 degrees even in the shade. And not even, it was so hot out there that not even the flies wanted to rest in the sun. They looked for a place of shade. And being that my hut was located next to the sheep pen, um, there were plenty of flies about. And I would wake up in the morning with the sound of the sheep rubbing their backs up against the thatched walls of my hut. So the actual walls would start moving as the sheep would scratch their backs. And I would wake up, um, and as I was sick, I would wake up weak and often covered in thousands of flies because it was too hot to have a mosquito net over the top of my bed. Um, my village family became extremely concerned, of course, that their new white Peace Corps volunteer seemed to be getting weaker and weaker by the day and more sick uh, you know, as each day went on. And I'm sure they were quite concerned that if I died, they weren't sure what to do with me. <laughs> but um, I can laugh about it now as I look back, but um, I lay there in my cot um, after several days where I could only pull myself to go to the, the latrine behind my hut um, and barely pull myself out into the backyard and back into my cot again. And I found myself asking God um, for relief in the form of a prayer that went something like, Lord, it's okay with me if I don't wake up tomorrow. It'll be all right, and in fact, I would prefer it. And then the next day would come, and my eyes would open, and I'd wonder if I was actually 
still alive or not. And when I realized I was, I was actually a little bit disappointed that I had another day to suffer through. This went on for several days. Um, and then I remembered that my mother had given me a little Gideon's Bible before I left uh, at the airport. And I still have that Bible, and I have it with me actually right now. It's one of those familiar little green uh, Gideon's Bibles with the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. And I open it up to the inside cover looking for some, some comfort. And I saw a category saying, needing God's protection. And I thought, well, I guess that's what I need the most right now is needing his protection. And there was listed Psalm 91. Now, Psalm 91, I didn't understand the significance of Psalm 91 at the time. I'm going to read that psalm for you. But as I read it, keep in mind that Psalm 91 is a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that uh, was quoted by uh, Satan when he was tempting Christ in the desert. And here I was in the edge of the Sahara Desert, and I was tempted to give up my life or wanting to give up my life and not continue to live. And it wasn't until years later when I became a Christian and God found me again that I truly understood the significance of this psalm and understood that this psalm represented God's framework for living, the whole framework for the story that he is telling. But this is the psalm that he gave me at the time when I needed to hear it most. And here's what it says. See if you can follow the framework that I went through as I read this out loud. He who lives in the secret shelter of the Most High lodges in the shadow of the Almighty. I will testify of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I am trusting. Certainly it is he who rescues you from the hunter's trap and from the fatal pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find protection. His faithfulness is a shield and an armor. You will not fear night's hidden terrors, nor the arrow that flies in the daytime, nor the plague that lurks in the darkness, nor the calamity that spreads havoc at noontime. A thousand may fall right beside you, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. You will merely see it with your eyes and witness the sinner's reward. For thou, O Lord, art my refuge, since you too have established the Most High as your shelter. No harm shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your tent. For he gives his angels orders regarding you to protect you wherever you go. They will support you with their hands, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will trample on the lion and the adder. You shall tread upon the lion cub and on the snake." Because he has anchored his love in me, I will deliver him. I will place him securely on high, for he has faith in my name. When he calls upon me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. So there you go. That is Psalm 91. I just have one question for you. Did you see it? Did you get it? Did you follow the, the framework that God is using, his, his story that's big enough for all of us to live in? I didn't know it at the time, but I would later come to know how this story fit into God's larger story. 
And it, so, it starts off with a call to give testimony to who God is. And by sharing our stories and recognizing that they reveal God in his story, we give testimony to God's character and his presence in our world. So from fiction, we go to nonfiction and nonfiction to fiction. So we've looked at both our stories individually as uh, our individual smaller stories with things that we remember as children, the kind of characters we liked, uh, the kind of movies that we enjoyed. That's the fiction part. And in those books, magazines, and movies, we see the same framework show up there as well. The secular world uses this framework over and over again, even if they don't give acknowledgement to the one who created it and authored it. Uh, we gave um, a little three-minute snippet in the presentation of the movie clip from The Lord of the Rings, uh, the first movie called The Fellowship of the Ring. You can find that movie clip in our show notes. There's a link to it on YouTube. Um, I would, we just suggest that you go there and, and click it and watch it and see if you can see the, that same framework showing up. And of course, if you're familiar with the movies, you can probably already think of it yourself. But the whole movie starts with, of course, the hobbits who are innocent um, beings who live in the Shire, which is the, this idyllic world. And they don't know that evil is coming, that evil is going to invade their space. And of course, uh, in order to set things right, a journey has to be taken. And the most unlikely of the creatures in the form of a hobbit is the one who has to save all of Middle-earth. Just as Jesus comes in the form of a baby, I mean, God entered our world to save us from sin, from, the, from death, from imprisonment with our enemy, our common enemy, Satan. And he comes in the form of a baby, of all things. Um, and so it doesn't seem likely that a baby is going to save all of humankind, but that's how God brings redemption and salvation to the world. So then we finished it off with, um, as, we, as you think about that, as you consider it, um, there's really kind of two buckets when you go through the Gathering Clues worksheet. As you think about uh, your past and as you think about how the stories of your life um, break out um, from your childhood into your adulthood, there's kind of two buckets of, of um, uh, themes that kind of break out. One is the theme of romance, and we're not talking here about the romance, like dating romance. We're talking about how God is wooing each and every, every one of us. He's the bridegroom, and we're the bride. Um, he puts in a longing, a yearning in each of our hearts for, for romance, for mystery, for, um, for adventure, and we're called to trust him. But because sin has entered the picture, we disobeyed God. Um, we are, our hearts have turned against the Lord. And because sin has entered the picture, we now have loss. We have pain. 
we have fear, we have terror. These are the types of, these, this is what we call arrows. And so these arrows come into our lives in many, many forms, in the form of sickness, in the form of, um, of death, in the form of, uh, of being afraid. Um, and the enemy loves to come in and put his arrows right in the places where God has stored his um, biggest gifts in, in what he calls jars of clay, which is us. As the temple of the Lord, he has given each one of us special gifting, spiritual gifting, and the enemy, our common enemy, Satan, does not want those spiritual gifts to be used. He doesn't want to see what God has placed in you come to fruition. And so those arrows are directed most often at the places of our greatest strength because Satan has it on his plan to try to take you out sometimes early when you're as a child. So if you are not affirmed in your gifting and if you're told that you're not good or that you don't measure up, those are all messages meant to thwart you in your gifting and in your story so that your story become you we become isolated in our stories and set apart and we don't see that connection to God and we don't see the salvation that he brings we don't see him coming in to rescue us from that uh, from that sin so that's why it's important to be familiar with your story to understand where you um, you know what your what your interests are, where your heart feels the biggest romance and adventure or travel or uh, mystery. Um, but then it also helps to understand where have those places been um, attacked. And that will be a great segue as we get ready for week two because we're going to ask you to delve a little bit deeper into those subjects. So if you finish off the worksheet for gathering clues, you'll set yourself up really well. And one of the best ways to grab hold of that framework that um, Brent's been talking about here is knowing scripture, um, because it's scripture that informs our story. And you'll see it over and over, that framework, throughout God's word. So having a good grasp of God's word is is always a great place. Um, so then as we kind of close here, um, just want to ask as we set up for next the next time, what about your story? Our lives mirror the bigger story arc. Recognizing this helps us see purpose. So what happens when you see glimpses of God's bigger story in your life? I mean, don't you feel differently about your circumstances, even if they're difficult? Doesn't it bring confidence and hope? The more we see life this way, the more we start looking for God. We anticipate his presence. The enemy would rather we see our lives as insignificant and haphazard, disconnected from the redemption story. But um, our prayer for you and for ourselves is that we have eyes and hearts that see this more and more. Because um, that's a life of hope, right? Um, versus what the enemy wants to take us into, hopelessness. So um, thanks for being with us, and thanks for taking this journey in storytelling. Yeah. Um, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for listening to another installment of Long Story Short Podcast. We appreciate you and your encouragement. And thanks for subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on TuneIn. That's how you get automatic feeds for each story on your personal mobile device or tablet, or even on your laptop. By submitting a review on one or more of those services, you help us get the word out. And that's how you can be a part of this story. The point of the podcast is to share God's stories with more people. So thanks for sharing with friends on social media. And thanks again to Les Elias and the Sons of Abbey for their music contributions. Check out links to their music in the blog notes. Bye-bye. Turn.